Danny, this is crazy, man. You got everybody thinking that we're kissing sisters out. See, I mean, at this what, point, Danny, you're drunk. Like, you know how you know how everybody says when you it's when you tie, it's like a brother and sister kissing. Like, no, you never heard you never that. Heard that? Oh, you're a wild no. bro. That's the battered way of looking at things, though, right? Because we're the battered hair on speed. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Chris, the hair on her back. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 52 of the Battered Herons podcast. I am your host, Daniel Granada, alongside me, Mr. KBD himself. How are you doing, sir? Well, I just want to make it clear that we won another game. So, of course, I'm doing splendid, especially talking since soccer, I'm of course, right? Yes, I'm talking soccer. Yes, yes, okay. yes, I'm right. talking, yes, sure. I'm talking the, soccer, bitch. For those of you listening and not watching on YouTube, I am wearing a Miami Heat jersey because Chris is, for some reason, a Knicks fan, and we've been going back and forth about the Knicks and Heat. I am admittedly not necessarily a Heat fan. I am a Heat supporter. I am a Brooklyn Nets fan, but I am a Knicks hater, so I am there with you and all the Miami fans. So F the Knicks, and uh, it's been a good, it's actually been a great Miami sports weekend. But these guys anyway, getting back. These guys on my shirt haunted the, the heat at some point. Okay. <laughs> so put some respect on the name. All right. So, but it was a great Miami sports weekend in general, but from into Miami, especially because they finally uh, broke that losing streak, right? It was six in a row. Uh, we thought it might be seven because neither you nor I nor many people thought that they would go on the road and beat a good Columbus team. But they did, and uh, I mean, I think, I, I mean, you more than anybody, I think you're feeling pretty good right now, right? Oh, I'm feeling incredible. Are you kidding me? We got mm -hmm. the win. Mm -hmm. Phil Neville got coach of the match of the week of whatever. I'm Phil Neville for president for sure. at this uh -huh. point, okay? <laughs> and, uh -huh. uh, and 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 uh, so I'm I'm on a high right now. I'm on a high. So. Let's get into it. So we, we lost the streak. I mean, we broke that losing streak, but I'm kind of curious as to your opinion, because I've heard several things. I've heard some people say we broke the losing streak. We finally won a game because technically that Miami FC game technically wasn't a win. A lot of people are saying, or some people are saying we're riding a two game win streak. So is it, did we break the streak on Saturday or did we just start a winning streak on Saturday? Which of the two is it, Chris? I mean, it depends. If you work at a circus with all these clowns that are out here, then obviously they're going to tell you uh, we our losing streak was broken or whatever, right? Or a winning streak started. Uh, I don't know. I, at this point, it's two wins in a row, right? And let me tell you something. When Argentina, I think Argentina beat France oh, in penalty don't, kicks. Don't give me that. That's such a, right? such a I mean, stupid let's analogy. Just, let's just let's, let's a call a stupid analogy. Spade, no, if it's not. The, if Argentina I'm not saying, beat I'm France with you, though. I, I think kicks, it was a win. They won. I think it was a win. No, you don't think it was a win. It was a win. That's what That's it is. Dumb. It's not about thinking. It's not about opinions. It's not about what we believe. It, at the end of the day, a win is a win. Nobody's thing with the Miami FC game. Lionel no, Messi no, did not win uh, a World Cup. Oh my God. Oh, I've heard so many people give that an Get out of my face with that. Get out. I think the thing with the Miami FC game wasn't so much that it wasn't a win or a draw or whatever. I think it was the fact that it should have been a loss. So it's not impressive. 
So I, I wouldn't celebrate that as a win because that should have been a loss. You shouldn't have played that poorly against Miami FC. But I get it. I, I, I agree with you. They won. Like, I don't care what the record book says about it ending in a draw, and then you ended up... I, I To me, it, it was a win. So that, that's fine. I don't think it was an impressive win. Yeah, so let's good. go ahead and, and let's move on to Saturday's game. We played Columbus. We played on the road. You, nor I, nor... Uh, Tyler from the Columbus podcast last week, nor nobody in the chat, nobody thought we were winning. And I don't, if you said that Inter Miami was winning, you're one of those people that just says Inter Miami is going to win every week, no matter what. Like yeah, you could yeah, literally yeah. just have a bunch of just like grandpas out there running around playing against like prime Argentina and be like, oh, but Inter Miami is going to win because those are the only people that said that we would beat this team on Saturday because there was no reason to. Why? You haven't scored an, an away goal all year. Why would you randomly think that we're going to go ahead and beat Columbus on the road? So I think that they did a great job as far as getting the W. But was it impressive? Like, did you think it was an impressive win? Like, are you now feeling better about the team because we got this W? I think it's very impressive to win. I mean, we're talking about a team that struggles to score goals away, scores two. I mean, that's impressive. If you're okay. going to sit there and think as a fan that that is not impressive, that we score two goals away, then you're out of your mind completely. But isn't that kind of sad that that's what we consider impressive? Like, because our our expectations are so low, it's like we scored two away. That's very impressive. Like, is, isn't that kind of sad that that's where we've gotten? Well, I mean, if you really think about it, when it comes to away games, just generally speaking – People are not expecting like this blasting of goals. You know, nobody's thinking that the away team is going to go out and score a ton of goals, right? But here we are, a team that doesn't score many goals. We finally get two goals over, you know, on the road against a formidable opponent. Like these guys aren't pushovers. These guys are not pushovers. So we walked away with a win with more than one goal. We played great defense, a lot of defense, but great defense nonetheless. And listen, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts about this game and about Phil Neville. And I, I just can't wait. I can't wait to cover this. I can't. Well, when do you think was the last time we scored an away goal? And I don't count the Miami FC because technically it was US Open Cup and technically it was in Miami. It was more Miami than our actual home games in Drive Pink Stadium. So well, technically, it's not in our that? field. It's not a drive yeah. pick. So I, I I understand. But so before that, think was the last one. Before that, when do you think was the, the last time we scored away? Um, I think it's got to be last year against. Uh, you know what? It I was. It even... was. It wasn't as far back as I thought. I thought it was further back. I'll tell what, you. What, what game it was, was it? Se- September thirtieth against Toronto. We won one zero. I honestly mm. thought it was further back than that. So. It, was, it wasn't that far back. So September 30th, the last season, which was basically almost the end of the season at that point anyway. The um, last time we scored an away goal. Correct. It was in Toronto. We haven't looked good this year, especially on the road. So getting two goals, like you said, is impressive for us because of our expectations and how low they've gotten. Uh, I Okay, well, let, let's, get, let's get into the game itself. Well, Steve Munoz is here dropping something that no one thought okay. would be Columbus. Because tactically, uh-huh. they hadn't shown anything different until match day. It was an impressive win. Good defensively. 
and a mature approach. I mean, look, I agree with that. I but I right, agree with what that. did you think of the first half? Because the first half, I felt like Columbus, although Inter Miami looked good, I'm not gonna say that they didn't look good. Right? We scored two goals and we had our chances. I thought Columbus was the better team. I thought Columbus was creating more. Now I well, think I we, think it, we ended up obviously with the lead, thanks to Drake on some crazy great saves and then just some good luck. But I, I thought Columbus looked the better side in the first half. Well, I mean it was a little bit of, to me, the first half was, of course, a little bit more dominant in terms of how Inter-Miami played versus the second half. The second half, you could tell that it was just pure defensively. Get, get, so, the, get the dub. Yeah, just get the win and hone down on the defensive end. So, mm -hmm. I mean, look, you, you can't take away the fact that this was the complete opposite of what we've been seeing these last couple weeks, right? We've been... Uh, super possession team every single week in and out and then all of a sudden now we are on the solar opposite of that uh, you know a, a lot of people say oh well you know we, we didn't have possession and we finally won what was the difference like I, I'll tell you I don't think that there was a game plan in terms of having more possession or not they just decided to not go out on the sides as much as they usually do because if you notice there was a little bit of play in the middle no uh, no, I felt like they still were building up to, uh, over the sides. And I mean, we scored four games. I mean, sorry, four goals over the last two games, right? The two in Miami yeah. FC and then these. Correct me if I'm wrong. I might be wrong, but I, I believe three of those four were off of headers that were crossed in. No? Yeah. yeah so I'd we're still that. building in and we're still doing the, the, the cross and pray. Now the difference is now we have somebody that can win those headers and score, which is Campana, which is what we were missing. Because before we had Joseph over there trying to win those headers over those towers of defenders, center backs usually. And now we have Campana back. And Campana and Borgelin, they got one of those also, are, are bigger strikers that can maybe get the head to a ball. So I think that that's the difference as far as this formation or this tactic of going up the wings and, and kind of just crossing and, and hoping that things work out. But I, I didn't think that they were playing necessarily up the middle any more than they usually do. I think they're still building up across uh, along the, the, the wings. This point that Steve just brings up is a perfect point. Also, mm -hmm. more low crosses. That's another thing that I noticed that was different on their approach when playing from the outside. Because typically you would see the high crosses coming over. But I noticed that Negri, he kind of mixes it up a little bit. He goes with the high cross, two low crosses. Then a high cross, another high cross. So... He mixed it up, and it definitely did make a difference. Well, I, I do agree because there was this low cross that he came in down the, the left flank, and he, he did a low cross, and he got Benja Kramashki, which we're going to get into. I, I can't get his name right, man. Kramashki or Kramashi? One of those. Well, Benja, he got it. He was on the receiving end, and uh, the, the goalies had, had a great block. Then Coco did his best impersonation of Lasseter, hit off the post, <laughs> I think it was. And then we got a corner, but off of that corner, that's when uh, Campana hit that second goal, the header. And I was looking up at the stats, and you know what? They, there was a little more buildup technically uh, as far as the stats go up the middle. They were they favored the right side 41%. And they went up the middle 29% and up the left side 30%. So there was a little more uh, buildup through the middle, uh, and, and Benja was, was a big part of that. I, I, I mean, do you want to get into to Kramashi now? Because I know you've been calling for Kramashi to start for a while. Well, listen, that's something for sure I've been calling for. Kramashi. Before, Thank you, Steve. Kramashi. 
yeah, just before we get into that, uh, Pete Abronsky brings up, check out the stats from Nashville versus Atlanta. Nashville 1-3-1. The stats aren't that different from ours. Campapi buried a couple chances. Well done. And Pete, I'm definitely going to save that comment for our episode on Wednesday when we do talk a little bit more about Atlanta. Um, and and Chris, as, as you bring up your next point, I'd love Pete to elaborate what's the point of bringing up the stats from Nashville and Atlanta. I'm not sure what what he means by that. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Chris? I, I've been I've been calling for for Ben Krem to get on the field for a ben while. Ben Krem, okay. So I've been calling for him for a while, and you know it. I've been loud loud and mm-hmm. proud about it. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I've been wanting him to play more of a, a CDM role because I feel like his activity and his aggressiveness would pay off better. Um, but, I mean, at this point, we have no Duke. We have nobody in the middle. We didn't start uh, Pizarro. So the best play at that point would have been to be able to play him. And, listen, this is something that I've been calling for a while, you know. And and, it, and, and just, finally, just real quick, finally just real quick. Shout out to to Trav from Trav Chats. Uh, he's been on the 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 Ben on Kamashi the, train the ben since 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 we spoke to him back in January. He was a guest on the show, and he was telling us this is the guy to look out for. And he also told us he's not necessarily a CDM. He's more of an eight that can push up, and that was very evident. And I guess that's why they never put him in that role to kind of replace Gregory because he that's not his game. He's more of an eight. And and he showed it. He was great. And that assist that he had, that first goal, that was beautiful. It was Negri to Stefanelli. It was. Stefanelli with a beautiful cross. And Kramashi didn't even hesitate. Did not hesitate. He saw the run that Campana was making, and he laid that ball, and he led him beautifully with that headed pass. And he couldn't have done it any better. Campana finished it. I don't know if Joseph would have finished it. Like, I'm starting to lose all hope that I had in Joseph. He has. He's <laughs> going to have to prove me wrong. But... It looked great, and and Kramashi was obviously I thought the star of the first half. Well, it, just to just to touch up on Lucas's comment here, don't worry, it's coming. The Stefanelli slander, it's definitely coming, and and of course he mentions box to box, Lucas. So, and it's true, man. That was a great play. That was a great play. Um, and and the fact that he was able to see that Ben Kremen headed over to. Campana waiting for that. I mean, that was that was golden. That was golden. And then we got Mr. Krabs happy about the win, but but again, can imagine life without our without Drake Calendar. I'm gonna say if Calendar well, didn't stand on his head all game, Miami would have lost. But, uh, but that, that's the that's be. the other thing because, like I said, in the first half, I thought that Columbus was the better side. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that Inter Miami played poorly. I didn't. I thought Inter Miami played well, and they played better than they have the last six losses. Obviously, right? But I thought Columbus had a lot of opportunities. That goal that Cucho had, one, it was a beauty, and second, nobody closed out on him. They let him yeah, take that, that was shot. Terrible. When yep. you you should know there should be a scouting. Hey, if Cucho gets the ball, this guy will shoot it from absolutely anywhere, anywhere. So you have to close in on him, and they let him take that shot, and he landed yeah. it beautifully. And and how deflating was it? The fact that we took the lead with seven minutes into the game, and before we hit the ten minute mark, they tied the game. At that point, I, I lost hope. I was like, "There it goes, there it goes." And now Columbus is about to get rolling. That's what I felt. How were you oh, yeah. feeling after they tied the game that quickly? No, as soon as that happened, I thought that it was a wrap. 
I thought it was a wrap because we weren't playing. Uh, we weren't playing as aggressive as I had liked us to. Um, I mean, you know, I just expected a lot of goals coming from coming from Columbus. I really did. So did I. So did I. And I, and and it's just surprising the kind of game that they had against us at home. But look, look, they had a few opportunities. There was I forgot the kid's name with the dreads, but he had uh, a counter uh, going up the right flank, and he was basically one on one with Drake, and Drake stopped that one on one shot. That should have been a goal. But they had yeah. a lot of opportunity. Celerion had another one that was was inside oh. the box. He was running towards right, I want to say. He shot it. Drake had another stop. Like, there was a lot of... They had 20 shots. 20 yeah. shots overall. 14 in open play. Which means they were they were building up to these shots. Unlike wow. Miami. Miami had eight shots on, on in total. Four of those, I think, were set pieces. So we had four open play shots. So, like, we're still not necessarily creating a lot. Right? We're still counting well, on the crosses, the set pieces... The corners. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because 20 shots sounds like our game against Houston a couple weeks mm -hmm. ago, right? And everybody Oops, was hating on that it. game. Yeah. Right? Oh, uh, yeah. But, but everybody's like, oh, Phil Neville, get out of here. Blah, going crazy. And then Chris, now okay. We well, no, we need to put we need to put a stop on this because you're talking nonsense now. That was the, after that Houston game, everybody said we finally looked good in a loss. Because before that, we had looked like complete crap in all the losses. And get so Phil when, the Houston, when the Houston game happened, at that point, it was what? Was that the sixth game in a row? That was the sixth loss. Yes, you look better. But, Chris, like, if you take a shot in basketball and you hit the rim, are you saying, oh, but at least we hit the rim? No, at some point, you got to make those shots. After five losses in a row, you're, you're at the sixth game. You have to hit those or you don't get credit. If we wouldn't have been on a five-game losing streak, he would have gotten more credit. But at that point, it's nice. I think everybody was like, okay, we, we looked better. Maybe we got something going here, but we still didn't win. But I don't think, at least me, personally, I don't know if you remember. After that game, I, I said I was closer to Neville out, but I still wasn't there. When did I get there, Chris? I got there after the Miami FC debacle. Because well, if we I can't just, look good against that team. Well, it's like you said, right? 20 goals, 20 shots against the rim. There's no basket. That sounds like a player problem, not like a coach problem. So well, okay. that I can agree with that. Credence put, to yes. my argument of not having the right players scoring your damn goals and throwing too much shade at Phil Neville. But I, we're, we're probably going to get into that in a little bit. But that also goes back to what I've always told you, that I don't think that Henderson gets enough criticism for the players that Neville is coaching, because Neville, you you're, mean you're the right. coach, match of the week of the team of the week, Coach Phil yeah, Neville, right? We're talking about before, that Neville. Yeah. Before we get into that, okay. So the first half scored in the seventh minute, beautiful. All what was it that that Don Cafecito called them? Ben Cre Cremita was it? Ben, it was something like ben that. Crem ben Crema. Okay. Ben so Cremita, now, right here. Now, that was all him, okay? I think that that was all him. I mean, obviously, Campana can finish. I'm glad Campana's back because, obviously, he makes a world of difference. We started playing well last year once Campana started rolling, right? He got that hat trick against New England, and then we started rolling. So we're on to something, right? Campana's back. Our best player is back. Let's see what he can take us. They scored their goal before the 10th minute. 
very deflating. But into Miami, to their credit, although I thought Columbus had more opportunities in that first half, Inter Miami is the team that ended up taking the lead. We took that 2-1 lead after that corner kick. At that point, we go into the half 2-1. How confident were you that we were going to win that game? Well, I mean, with the way that they were playing defense, it was like Fort Knox, right? I mean, they were just trying to make sure nothing got through. So at some point, I did feel comfortable that they were going to kill enough time that there wouldn't be so many drastic opportunities. And they were plugging a lot of holes at the end. Like, the defense was sound. So I don't want to say that I felt super comfortable that we were going to walk away guaranteed with a win by the 70th minute. But it it, it did it, – it looked nice to see that the defense was actually playing effectively towards the end of the game. Pete uh, uh, answered back with, with the question that I asked him. I asked him what he meant about the Nashville-Atlanta game. He said a lot of negative comments about the tactics – this is what we have to do to have success without a number 10 discipline in the low block and finally bearing chances. Okay. So it's kind of like what everybody was considering Neville ball last year. Cause I don't know if you remember at the beginning of last year, this year, everybody's criticizing Neville because he's too aggressive offensively, right? Our, our backs are playing like wing backs. They're constantly up top, not getting back all that other stuff. Right. But last year, what people consider Neville ball was completely different. Everybody was saying that he was way too defensive. That what we yeah. were doing is we were trying to get a goal here and there, but we were just defending for our lives. And that's because we had no 10. We changed that type of game plan once we got Pozuelo. Now, this year, we're back to that. We oh. don't have a 10. And maybe he's re he's reverting back to what he tried last year, which technically kind of worked. It had us afloat. We weren't necessarily a great team, but we weren't necessarily out of the playoff contention either. We were kind of just hovering. And I think that that's where we're going to end up going now. I think that that's, that that's going to be the game plan now. Let's just defend for our lives because that's what it ended up being in the second half. It was one of yeah. the most miserable watches ever because it was boring as hell. It felt like we had like 15 people in the box. And Columbus is just like, okay, we just have to break it down. There was absolutely nobody pressing the Columbus players. We They yeah. looked like we usually look every week. We were just kicking it around trying to figure out how to get in and break down the defense. And that's basically what the second half was. Listen, I mean, I, th I feel like the second half was basically put the walls up, play as best defense as possible, and get out of there with a win or a tie. I felt like at this point, even walking away with a tie would have been beneficial, especially for an away game. So that's what I felt what was, what, what was happening. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Pizarro. I was surprised that he didn't start. I thought that if somebody was going to lose their spot to Kramashi, it would be Stefanelli. Yes. Now, Kramashi finally came off, but he came off for Ruiz. Were you surprised that they put in Ruiz instead of Pizarro at that point in the game? I mean, I felt like maybe I want to say was... it was like the 70th minute, more or less. I want to I, I want to say that maybe that was a play to like, you know, sort of bow bow to to Joseph and to Pizarro, like, hey, you guys got to step it up or else we're going to bring these young bucks up. Um, By the way, it was the 71st minute when when they made that change. Ugh, I mean, again, I wouldn't have done that. I don't think it would have. I don't think it was the right call. I would have rather seen Pizarro get on than than him. I mean, the kids probably got promised, but like, I don't know if you want to start testing the waters like that in a, in a must win game. With, with the newest signing. I mean, this guy's like fresh out the box, two days old.
right? I was, yeah, I was watching the game with my father on Saturday, and my father was extremely frustrated because he noticed, right? We were hanging on for dear life. We were protecting at all costs. We just, we weren't worried about scoring. At that point, we were just defending for our lives. And my father's like, this is miserable. I can't watch this crap. But I told him, after a six-game losing streak, you do whatever you have to to get that W. Yes. So I understood it. I understood what we were doing. If, if, if you want to throw Campana out there to be a fifth center back and have absolutely nobody up front, I get it. Because at this point, you're doing anything possible to get this win. Because no matter how ugly it is, you had to get a W, right? Like you said, even a draw, I think most fans would have been okay with. Yeah. Because at this point, nobody expected a win. But when you have a chance for a win, that's it. You play that boring ball. It doesn't you gotta matter. You got to lock it you up. Park, lock it up. You, you park the, the bus, as they say. Park the bus. Yes. Play the Van Gaal, which is miserable Manchester United history. Play the Van Gaal, park the bus, and just, just fucking squeeze out that clock. And that's what they did. And I respect it because they got the W. So I'm okay with it. Now, we got the dub. Is there anything else that you want to say about the game before we move on? There is. Uh, Hazel Lopez with the comment of, of, of all of the week. The comment of the week. And this is witty, unpredictable right here. Woo knowledge. Crema rules everything <laughs> around me. Nice assist to Campana. Hell yeah, man. Give me some Ben Creme, bro. I'm surprised you didn't come out without yourself. What? The, the 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 crema reference? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, man. That's yeah, that's, yeah. that's Wu. You're, if anybody doesn't know, Chris is obsessed with Wu Tang. So, yeah, yes. All right. I haven't watched the last episode, by the way. I haven't watched any of them. All right, oh, so you're, you're terrible. We got a couple <laughs> of awards this week. We got Campana on Team of the Week. We got Franco Negri Team of the Week, and Coach of the Week. Your very own, Bill. Ill Phil. Ill Phil. Bill Ill Neville. Phil. Coach of the mother bleeping week. Is this deserved, Chris? Because I, I did not see this coming. Listen, I mean, you wanna, you're asking me. I'm going to tell you it is completely deserved, right? Okay. Uh, and I'm going to give a shout out to, to, to Don Cafecito. Steve started up with the, with the post-game little the 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 tweet bus right let's keep it pg pg 13 twitter spaces chris twitter whatever spaces. bro ah whatever so he came on and he started it up and one thing i needed to mention on there and just like i'm going to mention right here everybody is hating on this phil neville i hate phil neville he sucks blah 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 Look at what difference it makes to have Campana start in a game after being injured. That goes to show you that it has absolutely nothing to do with Phil nothing, Neville. Nothing, nothing to do with Phil Neville? Maybe a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll come back like 10%, right? You finally have Campana coming in, right? You don't have to deal with Joseph being the low-level the low kicker. Or um or or Borgelin just coming through for 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 alley-oop headers, right? You have somebody that's more balanced that you haven't seen all season consistently. Mm -hmm. And then now you have him, you finally give time to Kramashi, right? 
I mean, we're playing the same style. So, like, what, what, what went better this game than any other game? It's Campana. So, like, that's just talent coming onto the field. But at what point do you start accommodating for the talent you have? That's what makes you a good manager. You have to manage the players that you're given. Well, so he look, should have adjusted his tactics to kind of serve the players he had. If he knows that Joseph is five foot two and can't win a header for his life, why on earth are you living and dying by the crosses? Like into because, the box, you know it's not going to work. Because so, Borgelin uh, is, is behind him. But first of all, Bergen wasn't playing most of those games. It was Joseph as the lone striker up top. And then you have Stefanelli playing over Pizarro, over Kramashi. Like, at, at some point, he has to take accountability for that. Now, I will give him credit for benching Joseph. I will give him credit for kind of, for kind of not necessarily benching Pizarro, because I think Pizarro's been one of our best players this year, but for the fact that he's kind of making it a point to say, even if you're a DP, even though you're making a lot of money, it doesn't mean that you're going to get playing time. You need to kind of uh, earn it, even though I think Pizarro has earned it. So I'm not sure what happened there. But I, I respect that. He did it with Iguain last year. He's doing it this year. That I do respect. I think he's just saying, Pizarro, what you're doing is not enough. That's what I think is happening. Pizarro, you're just not doing enough. You're a DP. You need to be doing DP things. So, yes, your effort and your resilience and your style of play is, like, really better than what you did beforehand. But we need more, buddy. We need more. We pay you more, so we need more. Now, Joseph, uh, you know, the, 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 go ahead. You were saying you were going to say? No, I was going to I was going to get off off topic a little bit. So go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I mean, the, the thing about Joseph is you have Joseph that's trying to find his groove and he just hasn't. And here Campana comes in and he's like, hey, I've been running this show since 1985. Boom. Like it's game time for him. Listen, uh, I understand why people get frustrated with coaches just uh, just in sports in general. But again, to me, I feel like that argument is super lazy. I saw Michelle Kaufman on a podcast earlier this week, and uh, what podcast? She said her, it was uh, the the Peter Brown and Ed show, and so basically she was on there, and she's been covering this sports for like 25, 30, 35 years, and she mm -hmm. said it. She said it in the nicest way that Michelle Kaufman could say it. How'd right? she say? It? She based she said hating on the coach is fucking lazy. Period. Point I think blank. she's wrong. I wish she would come on uh, here so I could well, argue with her. You know what? I think you she's wrong what? because no, 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 no. That's BS. That's BS. It's not lazy. It's lazy if you say it after two or three games. It's lazy if when they get hired, people are like, oh, it's a horrible hire. If you do it after two or three, four losses, it's it's lazy. But Chris, it was six losses plus a subpar performance against the USL team. It's okay to say this guy isn't working out because he was obviously not working out. Which, by the way, there's a lot of teams that lose to USL teams. That's yes fine. No? Yes, but go, let's go see. Go find me the team that lost, and then let's go see if they had a six-game losing streak going into that game. That's I'd like to see that because if that's, if that's the case, then I agree with you. If not, it's not the case. If you well, have a six-game losing streak, you need to look good against a USL team or you got to get the fuck out of here. Well, all I know is that we got two wins in the last two games, Poppy. 
and Phil Neville's out here like a legend. He did whatever he could to get that W, and I respect that. Campana saved his ass with that header because that's what Campana does. Campana is the reason we stayed alive last year until Pozuelo arrived in the summer. So I give it to Campana. I, I give it to Campana. Campana is saving Neville's ass right now, and he might continue to save his ass until we can get a number 10. But don't tell me that it was Phil Neville's genius all of a sudden that changed because he was doing the same crap that he did the last six games, he did it on Saturday. Same crap. I think some of the players have been sucking, which is a banner that I want to get to a little bit later. And it's not Phil Neville related. I um, I like Borgeland. I have high hopes for Borgeland. But I will tell you something that I noticed on Saturday. He is very slow. Oh, my God. Molasses. He is very, very slow. There was a, a chance at a counterattack, and man, that was like, I don't know, maybe he strategically tried to hold up the ball, see if anybody came up with him, or if that was just his full-on, like, full speed, because that that was, I was like, holy crap, he is he is slow. And, That's and that kind of took, turbo. That, that, that caught me off guard a little bit. <laughs> that caught me off guard a little bit. Um, Listen, I mean, look, Borgelin, look, Borgelin is fine. He's a player that's on the come up, right? He's, I like he's, him. he's, 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 he's a player that we could see in our future in terms of, you know, once he's growing, he can get some more experience and he can be able to be better, you know, with his feet and especially as a striker. So I know that a year, two years down the road, he's going to be a monster. He's going to be a monster. Um, I like he, look, Matthew just said Borgelin and Campana's build do not allow them to be fast. I am willing to bet the house that Campana will burn Borgelin in a Rust race him. because what I saw, Borgelin looked like Mabika running around there. Because I remember Mabika also was pretty slow when he was take off running. Um, I have a question What do you think of our two new signings, David Ruiz? And uh. No, 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 no. Kamal Miller and uh, uh, Dixon Arroyo. And yes, uh, no, Pete, you were not Pete. You were not the only one that that looked, thought he was running on sand. It looked really, really slow. All right, what are you saying, Chris? I mean, look, uh, I like I like Miller. I think that he's solid. I, I thought that, that if, if not for him, I thought we would we would oh, have been in trouble would be a because bust. this thing that, would be a bust. That goal that Cucho scored. Just a, a couple seconds before that, Miller cleared the ball, which I thought was going to be a clear scoring opportunity again. Miller is 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 really solid back there. I'm really happy with Miller. I don't know about a Band-Aid, Matthew. Matthew chimes in, says that Miller's a baller. Arroyo is a great Band-Aid for Gregory. I don't even want to say like a Band-Aid. I feel like Arroyo is just like, you, you know, you throw sand on the cut real quick before you even go put a Band-Aid. Huh? Like, it's... I don't feel like Arroyo has been as good as what the team expected. I, I don't think that he's going to be a Band-Aid Band-Aid in that term. I feel like if he has a couple poor performances, we might see him in the cycle Who? of people oh, just Dixon playing Arroyo? CDM. Yeah. He has that position just off the fact that we have nobody else to play that position. Who else would yeah. you put over there? I, I mean, your boy, your boy, Uyoa. <laughs> I think Arroyo. Or Kamashi, I, or, finally, that he's I, getting some time. 
unless the miracle, which I, I don't even want to talk about, but I'll just say just for a second, uh, unless the miracle Messi Busquets signing happens, Arroyo is going to be there until the end of the year. That, that So just deal with Arroyo. And I I don't think he looks great. Like he like he doesn't like pop out of the screen to me like, like Gregory did whenever he was going to go and, and win a tackle. Like I think that Gregory was, as everybody says, right? It's almost cliche now, a, a, a bulldog or a pit bull over there getting the ball. Arroyo's not that guy, but I don't think he looks horrible either. So I, I lay off of Arroyo a little bit. Well, look, you want to talk about signings. You want to talk about Arroyo and you want to talk about Miller. Fine. I'm just going to use my banner right now. All right. Hashtag Hendo out. Everybody's out here talking about Phil Neville out. How about that, guys? Huh? How do you feel about that, chat? Because you know what I started thinking about? Here you are talking about uh, Messi and all these other players. I can't understand how you flipped the script on this. You you gave me so much crap when I first brought this up a couple months ago. And you know what? That's it. Like, I'm done with Hendo, right? Like, here we are. You're done with Hendo? I'm done. I'm done. Because I can't believe, I think Pozuelo scored a goal uh, over the weekend. I don't keep up with the Turkish League. And and I look, listen, at this point, I'm done with you, Hendo. I'm done. You let wow. Pozuelo go. That's the number one thing that the team had. If we would have had Pozuelo with the players that we have now, with Joseph and Campana, uh, this team would look completely different. Phil Neville would probably get the Hall of Fame speech in the next two years. Okay? We'd be championship bound, baby. But... Since Hendo thinks that he's like some craft cooksman cooking craft mac and cheese, he's out here getting all the praise. And here we are. We got a royal who's a band-aid. And then here we got not only is Pozuelo scoring goals, but then but we you got Bryce to... scoring goals. What are we doing? You got to give it. Well, look, first of all, you can't go ahead and say you really like Miller and then say, oh, but what are we doing? We let Bryce Duco. The only way you can get Quality is to give up quality. I know that everybody on Twitter loves to like, oh, let's get messy and let's just send you uh, Yoa over to PSG and just do a trade straight up. I know that you can't trade. I get it. It was an analogy. But this is what people want. If you want to get somebody of the caliber of Miller, you have to give up somebody like Bryce Duke. And that's okay. Look, I don't think Bryce Duke is going to get much play over here. So we got somebody that is making an immediate impact. Are you not happy with the impact Miller's making? Well, Miller, yes. Okay. You so do you do you feel our our, our defensive line, our defensive line, our 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 back line is now solidified? I mean, it is. But even when we had McVeigh there, like the team felt pretty comfortable out about our back line, even with McVeigh starting. So, like, I mean, not that it wasn't perfect, because it wasn't right. It wasn't mm-hmm. perfect. But at the same time, like. We give Duke away. Imagine now we just gave we gave Duke away, and now we have like zero midfield when we already had zero midfield before Duke, just because of the simple fact that we're playing him out of position. Because well, all of that happened because Hendo did not sign paper to pen with your boy Pozuelo. Hendo out. That's enough. Get out of here. Well, I, I think he did well addressing the six, right? Because at this point in April. Where are you going to find the random center defensive midfielder? You're not going to find just a random one. So he got a, a decent CDM 
to come fill in that need. I think he did well addressing that need. Again, Listen. maybe he's not what you want, but he's better than what we had. So I, I give him credit for that. I give him credit for solidifying our back line. I think Miller and Kristoff together might be one of the best center back duels in the league. Is it the best? I'm not going to say the best, but it could be one of the top five in the league. So I'm happy with that. I, I, Negri, a great signing. Although it's gotten to a point where I kind of wish Negri wouldn't play left back. Just play my left wing because he never played. Uh, have you ever noticed him ever winning a ball back there or doing anything defensively? Like whenever I notice him, he's doing something offensively. So at this point, let's just play him up top and, and ha- put McVay back at the left back like we did last year because I, I don't see what exactly Negri is contributing on the defense. But I, I, I think that Hendo has done a better job than you give him credit for. And that's coming from me. That was the first one to question him just a while ago. Uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about R- Richard Greenberg before we hop on to the next subject here. So now we got a bunch of gam for the summer transfer window. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not good with doing numbers here. And oh. if one of you guys in the chat can help me out, how much Monopoly money do we have? Does anybody know exactly how much Monopoly money we have with this Gam, Tam, and Bam stuff? Because I have absolutely no idea. Because supposedly the money that we were going to get with Miller, we were only able to use it like up until last week. So is there like some clause or something that stretches the money out? No, we still have it. We just... We can't use it from now until the summer, but that's look fine. at this. Look, look, look at look at Matthew. He's probably the most knowledgeable with the money, and he's talking about one point five ish. I don't need ish. Give me a number. I think. Look at this. Everybody's got a different number. I think around two million. I think in my calculations, this guy's doing science projects in his bedroom, talking about one point five million ish. Ain't nobody solving the coronavirus with an ish. Uh, solution right. chris i have a question for you the way the team is is, is is structured right now are you happy with our our striker campana yes okay are you happy with our center backs yeah okay what about our left back and right back yedlin and negri uh, i'm gonna take that as a yes okay so so the issue you're having is with the midfield Right. I mean, and, of course, our 10, the 10 is what we need. And we, we're hoping that that comes in the summer. But outside of that, what are you really trying to get outside of depth? We have Mota. Mota's not losing a spot. We have Pizarro. He's not going anywhere. Maybe he won't start, but he's not going anywhere. We have Kramashi, which we think when we hope is going to become a, a, future. a real player for us. Right. So let's say we have Kramashi and Mota in, in, the, in the middle. What are you hoping to get? I mean, I think that it would have been nice to have Pozuelo, but I would imagine that the only thing that's going to help us in in terms of acquisition, it's got to be a 10. Like, that's I don't it. think that the team is in no way, shape, or form is looking into a big signing or a big player other than for that 10 spot. But we had that. Like, we had that. Without mm-hmm. a Miller, with a McVeigh. We had, well, we got Negri now, right? But now, would Negri have not been signed if it wasn't for not keeping Pozuelo? Or would Stefanelli not be signed and we could keep Negri? 
I right? think the reason that, so we, that they of... were okay, I think the reason that they were okay letting Pozuelo go was because they got Stefanelli. Everybody thought Stefanelli was going to fit that role of a 10. He just didn't. This guy but plays I, 74 I th- positions. When you're <sighs> well, good always... at everything, you suck at one thing. Hmm. Or however that saying is. But if we get Messi, all of this gets forgotten, is it not? The whole goal is to stay afloat long enough for Messi to arrive. I'm not even sure how we got into all of this. We, we've gotten so far away from Saturday's game, I'm not even sure why. Hendo right, sucks. So, so Campana is back. Campana is back. Last year, we were riding that losing streak. All of a sudden, Campana came back. Not, well, he started playing more frequently, right? And then he had that hat trick, and then we were rolling. Is that what you're expecting this year? Is Campana going to be the savior that keeps us afloat until the summer, until we can get some help? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Without a shadow of a doubt. We have, uh, let's see, who do you have coming up? We have Atlanta. We have. Uh, oh, yeah, there we go, Lucas. Sing sing the tunes, baby. Sing the tunes, baby. Number 10 should have gone to Pozuelo instead of this false Messi. Messi at this point, I don't even know if he's like a real person anymore. Like he's like some like angel figure that like nobody's really ever seen before. On Saturday, do you think Joseph gets a start since he's playing against Atlanta? I think so. I think that's a smart play. And then let Campana come in and just sweep everything up. If we're no, I losing. think Campana starts no matter what. I don't I don't think Campana's not starting. I'm just wondering Ooh. if Joseph's also going to get the start. Or do you think that they go two up top? Because this is the thing. And I've been saying this for since Campana came back. We were all hyped up about this two up top, right? The, the two strikers up top. And we haven't seen it yet, even after Campana came back. Yeah. I think there's a chance that Joseph plays better with Campana next to him. Do you think there's a chance that we see that? Or do we write out the same exact lineup that we had on Saturday because we won? I think that I think that Neville has learned that the one striker setup is better than the two, especially since we have no 10. Now, Matthew mentions here, Stefanelli was never advertised as a 10. He was advertised as a winger slash striker. Listen, Matthew, it's like what Danny said. This guy was advertised as a, as a jack of all trades, which uh, Steve Munoz just says, master of none. I thought he was going to be a 10 too. Well, look, well, I remember we had Alex Wendley on. It was, uh, I want to say, sometime in February during the preseason. And, yeah. and she was going on about how great he was mentally, the way he broke down the game, about how he understood where Campana wanted the ball. And all signs pointed oh, no, to I him thought being he was the number. All, yeah, all, all signs pointed to him being the number 10 that was going to replace Bosuelo. And that's evident by the fact that when the season started, they were playing him in that position. So that was the hope. Whether when they initially signed him and we didn't know that Pozuelo was not going to be there. Yes, I remember that they said, oh, he could play the wings. He could play a striker. They kind of painted him as a Coco, right? Kind of like the way they did Coco yeah. last year. But once Pozuelo exactly. wasn't there, all of a sudden, the, the narrative shifted. It's like, but you know, he could play the 10 also. And then Alex Winley came on here and she told us about how good he is, his mentality, how he can get it done. So we all thought, you know, maybe this guy can be that guy, but he wasn't. And it was very apparent a couple weeks into the season. We've now seen him play out in the wing or, or out on the left. And we he's much better out there than he was playing the 10. If anything, I think Pizarro has looked best there since, you know, since the beginning of the season. But I think Stefanelli is 
is somebody that I'm surprised is still getting consistent minutes. And um, I'd like to see Pizarro back, even though that was not where I was going with that thought. But well, I don't I don't understand why Martinez and especially Pizarro are getting this like cold shoulder treatment from Phil Neville and not Stefanelli. Like Stefanelli, this whole season has gone unscathed. He still stays with his starting position. He does. He still gets consistent minutes every game. Like, I have to imagine that Bryce Duke and Lassiter are literally giggling in the locker room in Montreal because they are looking at Stefanelli like, look at what you guys did to us. Played this guy over us, and he's still doing absolutely nothing except an assist Bryce, off of an assist last game. Bryce Duke and Lassiter are doing anything but laughing. They're up there freezing their asses off. I promise it's you. In. They're not... They're not only freezing their asses off, but they're playing for a team that is probably worse than into Miami. So I, I promise you, they're not giggling. Uh, that, that's listen, the last thing they're doing. Listen, they have won two of the last three games, and I think the only one that they haven't won. According is to you, we've won the last two games. Well, no, but we did win the last. It's not according to me. It's according to like rules and statistics so, so, and like so, so, so sports life. At? So what are they laughing? Well, they're they're la laughing at well, I mean, they're they're laughing at the fact that this guy Stefanelli has taken their position, and he's doing absolutely nothing with it. Good job, good job, Hendo. Good job, good job for that. Right. Cheers. So, so winding down here, we got Kramashi. I think was the bright spot. I think Miller and Arroyo looking decent. <laughs> Negri playing great offense. I, I I see positives. How optimistic are you? And I want to hear everybody in the chat. How optimistic are you in the next, I want to say, two or three weeks coming up? Because we have a few home games coming up. We have Atlanta at home. We have that U.S. Open Cup against Charleston at home. We have uh, New England at home. And then we go yeah. on the road to Nashville. And then we How have Orlando at home. Games? I really hate this random, but I really hate that the Nashville game is a weekday because I would love to oh, go yeah. to Nashville. I, I was watching that traditions uh, on Apple TV after last week's episode when they told us about the jackhammer. I went back to check out the jackhammer and then I checked out Nashville's and man, it Nashville's looks like an awesome game day experience. And if it wasn't for it being a weekday, I think I would try to make it out there. Uh, but anyway, so we have Atlanta at home. We have Charleston at home. We have New England at home. We have a weekday game against Nashville on the road, and then we come back at home against Orlando. So we have one, two, three, four of the next five games are going to be at home. Yeah. How are you feeling? How optimistic are you feeling about these goals? Because we usually feel like we're a good home team, but we've lost some hope as, as the team has performed over the last couple of weeks. But after well, these two wins, how are you feeling? Uh -huh. Well, I know that... Uh... New England has just been terrorizing the the entire league. They're number one, I believe, in the East, mm -hmm. and so that that's pretty scary. Um, Atlanta, I believe they're they're pretty high. If they're not third or fourth, I think they're they're third. they're, they're a very good team with the MVP. Yeah, they're the yeah they're a pretty good team. So I'm I'm pretty certain that Joseph has got you know some 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 bone to pick. And then Orlando just, you know, they're Orlando. I can't wait to play them. Uh, I feel well, like... Well, I'll, I'll tell you, for those of you that weren't aware, 
if you count the U.S. Open game, we have seven games in the month of May. Mm. So this is a big month. At by by the time May thirty first comes around, which we actually have a game to end the month on May thirty first against the Red Bulls. By the time that game ends on May thirty first, we'll know more or less if we're a, a playoff contending team or if we just completely dropped out of the race. Because seven games is is that's, that's a lot. That's this is a very important month. Contenders or pretenders? That's basically what the month of May is going to be. Um, and it sucks because we're playing a lot of like pretty good teams. Um, I would hope that we come out with, I mean, at the, at the most two losses and the rest have to be sprinkled with tie, uh, wins and, and maybe a tie or two. I, at the beginning of this season, I came on here and I said, I'm never going to um predict that Miami like, will lose a home game because I, I feel like we could beat any team at home up until the last couple of weeks where I'm like I, I just don't see this team doing anything period but I will tell you that Campana has kind of brought new life to my optimism I, I feel like Campana is going to kind of do what he did last year and kind of put us on his back and all of a sudden if he starts rolling off some goals you, people might even start talking about him on, in the MVP conversation if we start ro- reeling off some wins now I have I don't think he has any chance of winning it because Almada from Atlanta is gonna win that hands down. But I, I think that Campana can kind of get us going. The Red Bulls aren't good. Montreal isn't good. Orlando, we own them. Uh so I think that's at least three wins right there. So, you know, I think this is like maybe eleven points. Maybe eleven points, get, squeezing that I, out. We can get eleven points. I could see us drawing with Atlanta. I mean like Peter said earlier in the chat, Peter said Nashville beat Atlanta by just defending for their lives, right? They did the most out of their chances. They scored and they defended for their lives. And if that's how they beat Atlanta, I can't see why we can't do that here at home this weekend. But we're going to get and more into that beat, Atlanta game this Wednesday. We just And we just beat Columbus like that. Mm-hmm. Made the most of our opportunities, hunkered down, built base, and won the, the, the hardcore defensive way. So, That's you know, we if we do. could do it against Columbus, I think we could do it against Atlanta. Well, I, th- I, th- I think I think we, we got 11 points in the month of May and beating Charleston to move on to the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. I think those are all possibilities, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a big month, a busy month for us, Chris. Yes, for sure. And, and uh, Steve just put up a comment. I wanted to mention this. Shout out to the coldest water bottles. Let me tell you, this is like my third water bottle. I didn't want to talk about my water bottle because I want to get sponsored by these bitches at some point because I'm trying to get a free water bottle. I don't know um, if that's the best way to go about it, calling them bitches, but sure. Well, I mean, they're good bitches, not bad bitches. <laughs> that's why I drink them. And this is like my third water bottle, okay? Mm-hmm. Shit has All lasted right. forever. Highly recommended. So, uh, uh, ending it up here, we're three and six. We're, the, we're only one of three teams that have absolutely no draws this season, which is crazy to me so we either win or insane. lose we're 12th in the east but we're only three points out of ninth place which is where we need to be and if you've been following my uh south florida sports if you make it into the playoffs as the eighth seed there's a good chance you eliminate the first seed because that's just what south florida teams do so i mean and that's what the, the knicks did too a couple years uh years ago right bitch you mean 1999 24 yes, okay, years ago yeah. 
I said a couple years ago. I didn't want to tell you exactly how many years. A couple could be anywhere between two and a hundred. Okay. And and just to clear it up, after this past weekend, we're only one of only two teams to never have a draw because Real Salt Lake was the other one, one of the other ones, and they drew against the Sounders. So we're one of only two teams to never have a draw. So it's either feast or famine, as they say. So let's hope that we get a W, but we'll talk more about that Atlanta game uh, on Wednesday when we have our preview episode for the weekend. We have a, an opposing Atlanta podcast to join us to preview that game. And do you have anything else for the people, Chris? Uh, no, just uh, tune into your TVs tomorrow and then tune into your, to your YouTubes on Wednesday so that way we can cover the upcoming game against Atlanta. You mean tune into the TVs tomorrow to watch the Heat take a 2-0 lead against the Knicks? Is that what you were referring That's to? That's not true, bitch. We're talking about the greatest, okay? <laughs> tune to your TVs and watch the Knicks stomp on the Heat tie the series because it's going to game seven with the Knicks coming out on top. Yeah, we'll see about Don't play that, games. Yeah. And look at look at look at Richard Greenberg living in the in 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 the land of the, the degeneracism. Where are we going? We well, you, you got some what, what, You want to lay right? a bet down, Chris? I'll lay a bet down, Bobby. Let's go. What do you want to bet? I'll bet uh I'll bet like 20 bucks. How about that? 20 bucks. Oh, you're talking money. I was trying to figure something more a little creative. And uh, uh, uh Richard Greenberg. Um did the the least finally made it the second round? And how long? How what was the last time that that the least made it to the second round? Oh, it's been a while, right? No, I'm waiting for him to answer. because uh, I know it's been a while. I just don't remember how long. Um, all right. So, by the way, I'm a Rangers fan, but I do support the Panthers. Uh, so with that being said, I appreciate you guys listening all the way to the end. Uh, 19 years. Good God, I didn't know it was that long. So. Congratulations on the Leafs finally making it to the second round. Um, who do they play the second round? Don't tell me they're playing against the Panthers. No, yeah, no, the Panthers playing against Panthers. Against, no, no, no. They're playing against Carolina's playing the Panthers. It's oh. it's the Rangers when they beat the the Devils tonight. They're gonna play against the Leafs, so that should be interesting. All right. So again, appreciate everybody listening all the way to the end. Thank you everybody for joining the 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 chat and catch us on Wednesday night when we preview the Atlanta episode. Oh, sorry, the Atlanta game. With no, it's not Panthers Leafs, is it? I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting, but I, I can't, I can't log off without having the facts straight for everybody. Uh, uh, Ed Bar, Ed Bartra is is asking us to bet jerseys. You want to bet some jerseys? Oh, it is the Leafs. Yep, it's the Panthers against the Leafs, and the Rangers when they you. beat the Devils will play the play Carolina. Okay, I'm really hoping the Rangers end up playing against the Panthers in these conference finals. All right, so so again, sorry for randomly going ahead and uh, Rangers are losing 2-0 right now. God damn it. All right, so again, I've, I've signed off like three times here. I'm sorry, guys, especially if you guys are hearing the audio. You don't realize what's going on in the chat. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> we'll catch you guys on Wednesday when we preview the Atlanta game with uh, an Atlanta podcast. And until then, we'll catch you guys later.